0: Can you return to a fulfilling, challenging and successful career after a long career break? After listening to this collection of returner stories, we hope your answer will be a resounding yes. I'm
1: Karen. And I'm Liz. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the return to work specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of two, five or 15 plus years. Over the years, we've coached hundreds of career returners, and we're excited to share some of their inspirational stories with you.
0: On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people who are successfully back at work after taking long career breaks for childcare, eldercare, health, relocation, or other reasons. They share the ups and downs of their return to work journeys, the challenges, the rewards, and their learnings. After each story, Liz and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips.
1: A big thank you to JP Morgan for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Now, in its ninth year, the JP Morgan Reentry Programme offers experienced professionals who've taken a career break of at least two years the support and resources they need to relaunch their careers. Currently running in the UK, US, Europe, India, Singapore, and Hong Kong, JP Morgan's re-entry programme provides a fully supported transition back to work. In keeping with the international reach of their programme, in series two of our podcast, we've captured stories of returners returning to work both in the UK and in other countries.
0: After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories, and a range of return-to-work opportunities for people on a career break wanting to get back to work. And do also sign up to our free network and Facebook group for extra support and connection.
1: And now, over to this week's guest. I'm pleased to introduce
0: today's guest, Derek White. Derek describes himself as a curious, creative, and entrepreneurial manager with a broad mix of people, business, technical, marketing, procurement, and project management skills. After making the decision to follow his wife's career, Derek took a career break of seven years to care for their young family as they relocated from Sweden to Canada with his wife's work. As the children grew older and more independent and the family relocated again to the UK, Derek decided it was the right time to return to work. Returning first via a three-month returnship programme, which he credits as giving him much-needed UK experience, Derek now works as Commercial Lead for the Department for International Trade. Derek, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here and share my experiences with all of you.
0: Oh, thank you. You've had such a varied and interesting career. Tell us a little bit about your career background and experience before you took your career
2: break. What were you doing? Well, I've had a very mixed background. I initially studied engineering and then switched to international business. In my um, In my early career, I was an entrepreneur I built a a brewery in Zambia, where I'm from, and managed and ran that for about seven years. And then having married a Swedish diplomat, I decided to sell my business and follow her to Sri Lanka. And we were there for four years until the tsunami in 2004, which um, made things a little bit chaotic. And my wife was about five months pregnant. So we decided to go back to her home country, which is Sweden. So we moved to Sweden, had our first child. I got a job working for a large Swedish global medical device company. Uh, We had a second child. And then my wife was asked to move to Canada to um, work at the Swedish embassy there. And it was a difficult decision because I was really enjoying my job. She was enjoying her job. We both had quite quite demanding careers and uh, we reached the point where we realized that um, with both of us following our careers, the children were going to be shortchanged because they were starting to get to that age where they get really interesting and you know demand a lot more time. Um, and so we agreed that her career was um, perhaps the more interesting for the family to follow.
0: It's really interesting because we we often hear from women who talk about, you know, that conversation that they have with their husbands about who, who sort of puts their career on hold for that short period of time, while you know, whilst the children are little. And we often hear about how the dynamic changes in the relationship when, when they're not working, when they're on a career break. Did did you experience that too when you made that decision to, to, to follow your wife's career?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important to, to have these conversations and to be very open about Um, how the relationship is going to change, how the balance of power in the relationship will change. And I definitely felt that um, I probably felt a lot of the same things that uh, many women feel when they take a break to have children. That is that you feel more dependent on your spouse. Um, You feel um, perhaps not quite as valuable to the sort of wider society even though obviously you're fulfilling a very valuable role within the family, in the wider society, amongst your ex-colleagues, your ex-university friends, etc., who continue in their careers. Um, And also seeing your spouse continue in their career and get the promotions and um, the really interesting roles that you would have liked to have got. So you definitely sacrifice, sacrifice those things. And I think it's important to be upfront about that and have that conversation before you make the decisions, because if you don't talk about it, then perhaps there'll be maybe a little bit more resentment or maybe not the same level of appreciation from the spouse that is able to continue their career of the sacrifice you're making. I think that if it goes unsaid, then maybe forget about that sacrifice. I mean, I reminded my wife often, I can tell you that much, whenever I'd had a bad day with the kids or was starting to pull my hair out because I was a bit bored or whatever reason, um, yeah, I, I made sure that she was very grateful for, for my sacrifice, but it, it, it wasn't that bad. I, mean, I, I did enjoy the time. And, you know, I in hindsight, um, I wouldn't swap the years I had with the kids for anything. So I think both sides are making different sacrifices. My wife didn't have as close a connection with our kids and didn't have as much time with them as I had. And that was her sacrifice. I mean, I sacrificed um, my career in many respects because I was on a trajectory that got interrupted. And you can never get back onto that trajectory, no matter how hard you try. You know, you may have the same angular flight path, but you drop down a few rungs in the ladder. And you know, you've only got a limited number of years to try to catch up. And I've I've resigned myself to that and I'm comfortable with that. Um it was a, definitely a sacrifice I was prepared to make. And in hindsight, if we'd done it the other way around, I know that my wife wouldn't have been as content staying at home. She doesn't have All of the entrepreneurial side that I have that allowed me to keep busy, keep productive, keep making money, even though I wasn't formally working. And I think it would have been harder for her to get back into a career after a break than for me, because I have such um, a broad background. Um, I'm fairly diverse, so it's quite easy for me to to get back into, into a role in the private sector and now in the government.
1: I think that's really interesting. And and so many of our listeners will resonate and relate with what you're talking about there, you know, the sacrifices, the challenges, um, you know, the ups and downs of of the journey. I'm interested to, to explore with you, you know, the skills and strengths that you developed while you're on your break. Derek, you know, you talked about your entrepreneurial side, um, you talked about your, you know, your generalist nature and and um, all of your experience. But you know, what specifically did you feel that you developed uh, skills and strengths wise whilst you were with the kids and
2: taking that career break? I think probably the most important skill I learned. Um, I'm a natural introvert, so if I come across as an extrovert, it's it's all a, a well practiced and learned learned act. But I'm actually a natural introvert. But during my career, I had an automatic social circle. Um, I automatically had a group of friends, people I was working with, and um, I saw them every day. And we had some challenging times together. We had some really fun activities and dinners and other things together, business trips together. So that came with, with the job. And once I lost that and I was at home with the kids, I had to make much more effort to put myself out there, to meet new people, to make friends, create a new social group. I'd say the other thing is that you have to find something that gives your life a bit of meaning. I know it sounds a bit um, a bit cheesy, but you've got to find something that hopefully you enjoy doing, but also you feel is valuable. So, I mean, I have several hobbies that I turn to, so I enjoy restoring old cars. So I While I was in Canada, I bought and restored a few old cars. And I got to know that, created another social network because I got to know the other people who were interested in old cars. I started this um, non-profit initiative to build low-cost dialysis systems using some very simple technology. And I collaborated with two universities and uh, quite a few of my colleagues. And it was kind of a virtual non-profit spread out around the world We had some graduate students at two of the universities um, helping work on it. And it was very rewarding because we were doing things that um, were obviously going to help a lot of people, save a lot of lives and help a lot of people. So that was quite rewarding. So I think you have to find those things. And it's also an opportunity to, to change direction. Because if you've ever thought, well, actually, I always wanted to learn a musical instrument or I always wanted to study this other subject. You've got the opportunity to do that because you're probably not going to get to do that again once you go back to work, you'll get into a fairly linear, I think you have a lot of opportunities to try different new things, whether it's education, change in career, new hobbies, and you've got to go for those and the, the time will go quickly.
0: I think it's really interesting that you sort of talk about both the sort of the personal and the professional growth in that period so the personal growth in terms of you know putting yourself out there to meet people and how important that was to grow that network so you you had that connection with other people whilst you weren't working but also the professional growth as well, and the transferable skills that you would have honed and developed um, when you set up your nonprofit and the education that you did. So, all these things while you were sort of officially on a career break, but actually you were adding to this portfolio of, of skills that you could then bring when you did eventually return to sort of professional permanent work. Really interested about the different countries that you've lived and worked in. So, you know, ranging from Zambia, Sri Lanka, Sweden, Canada, the UK. Tell us a little bit about what you learned from those experiences of of living and working in different countries and and getting accustomed to different cultures and different people and, and how those experiences have really helped shape your career.
2: I would say that the opportunities in the different places are very different. And those opportunities kind of shaped my career or they dictated what my career would be. I'll give you an example. When, when we moved to Sri Lanka, um, I thought I'd be able to get a job quite easily. And I actually would have been able to, but salary levels in Sri Lanka are very low. And unless you're hired as an expat, uh, you're not going to earn very much money. Well, not the kind of money that I was expecting um, and that I would be prepared to work for. And after realizing this, I got together with a couple of other expats and said, well, the only way we're going to make any money and have a rewarding career is to start something on our own. So we set up a small consulting strategy consulting company. And we realized that we couldn't charge an hourly rate because if we mentioned what our hourly rate would be in pounds or US dollars or whatever, it would shock people. So we never mentioned hourly rates. We would just talk about what we would deliver and what the price would be for the entire package. Sometimes you just have to be a little bit creative. You have to um, try and think of a new way around the problem. So if the problem is you can't get a job that pays a decent salary, then maybe you you shouldn't be looking for a job. You should be looking to start a business. Similarly, when I was in Canada and I was restoring old cars, um, I found that there was a big shortage of certain parts for some of the old cars that I was working on. So that was an opportunity. So wherever I've been, I've looked for opportunities based on what's available in the country.
1: I think that's really, really good advice. And it's, like you say, it's identifying those opportunities, being being aware, noticing those cultural differences and uh, being able to apply your creativity, you know, problem solving, looking for for ways uh, ways through and ways around things. Derek, just, um, you know, bringing you back to your, your, uh, your story, I'm interested to know what motivated you to start considering your return to work.
2: Well, it was, it was quite obvious when the kids reached about sort of 10, 12. Um, you know, they need a, a lot less from you as a parent. They become more independent. They can get to school by themselves. They can go to their friends' houses by themselves. My two kids are both fairly independent and able to sort of manage at school, the schoolwork and homework by themselves. So the preparation I did, I mean, initially, as I said, I studied for a master's in innovation management, hoping that once we left Canada, I could sort of pivot into a career in innovation consulting. That didn't work out. But I think the experience I got and the knowledge I got has helped me so much in a couple of the projects I've been working on since then. And when I reached the UK, I had that experience. Similarly, when I took the returnership uh, three-month contract, one of the reasons I did that, even though the pay um, wasn't great, it was a token amount, but the main thing was I got to work in a well-known British company. I got to work with people who knew how British companies procurement departments are typically run. And I also built up the network. So I got a lot of people who I worked with. um, I asked them when I was leaving to write recommendations on LinkedIn. And they were very kind and generous with their recommendations. And I think that all adds up so that when a recruiter looked at my profile on LinkedIn, they could see I had the break, but they could also see that I'd been studying in the break, and they could see that I'd come back Um, and been working at a well-known company. And I had um, good recommendations from that company. And they're from people that they could pick up the phone and call. So it made it all a lot lower risk for the recruiter to put me in front of a panel for an interview.
0: Obviously, your experience at the returnship helped you to to then go on and get work after that. But I'm just curious about your first experience, I guess, when you were in the UK, and how easy or challenging it was to get that first returnship. So you'd not worked in the UK before. You'd, you'd done some fantastic things on your career break. What was the process like? What was your experience like in trying to get back to work initially?
2: Well, to be honest, it was quite um, confidence destroying. I won't quite say soul destroying because it wasn't that bad, but it was quite um, quite difficult because I'd always seen myself as a a great prospect for any company i've been able to add value wherever i've been, and I think I'm terrific and then of course, being rejected and I have to say, being rejected often by people who were half my age and had you know, s- several degrees less than me um it was it was quite um yeah it was quite difficult I have to say and um for example, my current role, I was interviewing with someone who was 32, and she and I hit it off. She didn't see me as a threat. She saw me as an opportunity to learn and to teach. So she could teach me everything she knows about public procurement. And I could maybe teach her a thing or two from my very broad background. And we made that connection, and we had that understanding that there was something in it for both of us. And I saw her as a real opportunity to learn about government procurement. And so there was kind of a quid pro quo. And I think that if you're in a situation where you're coming back into the market um, after a break, you've got to try and find a way to sell what you have to the to the other person. Really, I think you just got to you got to find a way to convince them that you're going to enjoy the work, you're going to deliver a lot of value, and you're really there to learn and to help everyone achieve more together. So I think if you can achieve that, you've got a very good chance of being able to get back into the, the market. I have definitely found that being a bit old and having a, a broad background, um, I can add in many different ways and some really unexpected ways that are not part of my remit. So in my current role, I've I've got involved in so many things that were never part of the job description, but everyone recognizes the value that I'm bringing. So my line manager is very happy for me to contribute. And um, everyone's happy because I'm helping everyone else do their jobs better, or I'm delivering additional things that nobody anticipated. So I think that that's a way that you can maybe sell yourself. Um, And that's something that you can do during your break. You can use your break to expand Your knowledge. As I said, study, read, volunteer, do as much as you can to broaden your knowledge base and stay connected to the market. You know, there are so many newsletters you can sign up for and groups you can join on LinkedIn, discuss things that are of interest in your area. And you've got to stay connected. I remember after I left my role in Sweden, I actually paid myself to go to Dusseldorf for the annual medical device conference just to stay connected to all of the people. I had meetings with people, even though I didn't have a job. I had meetings with them socially. Um, I looked around the halls. I saw the new technologies. I talked to people about what changes were happening in the industry. So stay connected to your industry as much as you can, because when you go to the interview, you won't sound like someone who's been on a break for five or seven years. You'll sound like someone who's been working the whole time.
1: Derek, we know that COVID interrupted your plans of returning to work as the organisation at that time wasn't then able to offer you a permanent role after the returnship programme. But how did your experience on the programme help?
2: I made sure that um, I got everyone who I'd worked with to give me recommendations on LinkedIn. Um, I stayed in touch with them. I've met up with them a couple of times. So before I got my role, it's DIT. I met up with my former line manager for lunch a couple of times. I bought him lunch I said, I'll pick your brains and buy you lunch. And just staying in touch with them because they will have people in different industries and different companies who may know of a, a position. And you can always say, oh, I saw there was a role at this company. It might be a competitor or it might be a company you know that they've worked with. LinkedIn is a fantastic resource because you can look up a company and see who you know, who knows someone who's at that company. And just using that network of people that you've worked with um, can help you at least get a foot in the door. Because you can say, hi, I I see that you're connected to my ex-boss, so and so, and they would be happy to recommend me. And you've got this role available and I'd be very interested in talking to you about it. And so I used my connections through that three months to you know, network as much as I could. In the end, it wasn't actually any of those connections that got me my current role, but it definitely got me a foot in the door in a few. So I had a few interviews because I used those connections and that networking. And similarly, I'm still in touch with those people. Even though I only worked there for three months, I'm still in touch with a couple of them. And I know that at some point I may... Want to actually talk to them about some particular technology area that they're expert in, and I know that they're there for me if I need them. That's another thing that n- your network is really good for. It's being able to get expert, objective information about a technology or a company or an industry, um, because you know you can you can learn only so much looking online or watching YouTube videos or reading. Um, journals or whatever. But um, if you want inside information, your network contacts are very valuable for that. And so um, that was another big value from those three months is to have local UK people I could turn to to say, hey, do you know anyone who knows about this? Or do you know anyone who's perhaps knows this company? So that's always very valuable.
0: Yeah, and I think the power of the network there is, is so important, especially when you're coming to a country and you don't necessarily have that, that background of decades of, of, of contacts from school days and university days and, and an early job. Looking back now, Derek, what, what are some of the things that you are most proud of, both personally and professionally, in your return to work journey?
2: Well, I suppose just the fact that I managed to get so much done during my break, I'm pretty proud of. And my kids aren't too messed up. So I'm quite proud of that. And they still talk to me. So, um, and our marriage survived and it's in pretty good shape. So all of those things I'm quite proud of. Well, I'm glad I got a job. I don't know if I should be proud. I got a job and a job that I love and a job that's very um, valuable and um, allows me to, you know, achieve quite a lot for, you know, for both myself and for a lot of other people. So I'm proud of the fact that I gave up some some of my career potential for my kids, and I'll do it again. Um, I think that's something that's definitely worth being proud of. I think my kids are better off because I did it. And I think probably in the long run, my marriage is better off because I did that, because otherwise... You know, with two people working very hard at fairly high level, stressful jobs, you don't have much time left for each other or for the kids. Everything suffers and nothing's done well. And I think if if one of the parents gives up their career for a few years, that creates a lot of slack in the in the family. I mean time slack. Time to, you know spend a bit more time with the kids, spend a bit more time um, planning nice trips or going on nice trips, spending a little bit more time having quality conversations in the evening, not just doing chores and cleaning and um, putting kids to bed. I mean, some of my friends had a good laugh because I'd talk to them on FaceTime and I'd be ironing my wife's outfits for the next day. So one of my friends said, well, we can see who wears the pants in your family. I'm like, yeah, I don't wear the pants. I just iron them. (laughs) I love that, Derek.
1: (laughs) Very good. Yeah, I I think um there's... you know, it, it's great that you're proud that you've, you know, you're able to give up some of your career potential. I love that, that statement, you know, for, for your kids and clearly your kids have benefited, you know, your marriage has benefited. And so have you. We'd like to round off now by asking you, what advice do you have? You know, if you had to sum up some advice for other people who are on a career break, who are considering returning to work, what would you say?
2: I would say that the two key things are one Be grateful and understand how lucky you are. Have a look at all of your friends' profiles who are still at work and whose kids are in daycare. Have a look at their profile and see how many fun baby pics they have or how many fun holiday photos they have or whatever. They don't. So I compare my Facebook profile from those years with some of my university friends who were jet sitting around the world and had very high-pressure careers. And when I meet up with them, they comment on how they love watching my family grow up kind of remotely and seeing all the fun things we did. We could never have done those things if my wife and I were both following our careers. So that's one thing. Is realize how fortunate you are in many ways. Take advantage of it. Um, don't be bitter or sour or just take a, take the opportunity you have. Make the most of it because honestly, in 10, 20 years, what are you going to remember? Are you going to remember those Days you didn't work, or you're going to remember the days that you did spend with your kids, or you're going to say, "Oh, I wish I had another year or two of working," or "God, I wish I had another year or two with my kids when they were five or when they were ten or whatever." So that would be the first thing, and um, I think the the second thing I would say is it's not easy. So if you don't get your first job or your second job or your tenth interview or whatever, it's not you. It's just, it's difficult. Don't take it personally and take it positively. So, I mean, you'd be surprised. Almost all of the interviews I went to that I didn't get jobs for, I still managed to connect on LinkedIn with the people I'd interviewed with. Some of them ghosted me, but quite quite a few of them, probably 60, 70% of them accepted my connection request. And I said to them, thanks so much. I really hope you find someone great for the role. If something comes up that matches my skills or you need a bit of help, even temporary help, give me a shout. Uh, I think you're a great company and I really liked meeting you guys and I like the team. So it's not easy. You're going to get rejected and rejected and rejected, and that sucks. It is a little bit soul-destroying, but it's not you. It happens to everyone. Um, It doesn't matter how many years' experience you have, how good you are, how competent, how many degrees, whatever you've got you're still going to get rejected a lot. And just accept that upfront. And anything that you get in terms of interviews as a bonus, any work on the side that you get is going to help you look good and sound better for your next interview. So just stay positive even when you're being rejected a lot.
1: Mm. i think it's that leaving on a positive note isn't it and you know and reframing you know accepting as well accepting that it's not easy accepting that rejections are going to happen but like you said not taking it personally derek thank you so much for joining us today thank you for the the richness of the conversation i think you've had a fascinating career and background and it's it's been a real pleasure chatting with you today so thank you so much for being our podcast guest
2: Thank you. It's really been fun talking about talking about it. And I, I hope this helps other people who find themselves in the same situation.
0: Looking back on our conversation with Derek, it was interesting to hear him talk about his different experiences living and working overseas and how he adapted and flexed to the country he was in and its unique environment.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Derek talked about the importance of thinking creatively and not just giving up or giving in to a situation but looking for opportunities.
0: Yeah, I also like the way he talked about the importance of knowing your value and finding a way to convince potential employers that you're a great prospect because of the experience you bring and that ultimately you'll help everyone to achieve more together.
1: And I think that concept of personal brand is one that comes up all the time. We often see that loss of professional confidence in returners. It's that feeling of, I knew who I was before, but who am I now? And can I do this now?
0: And we heard Derek talk about his return to work as being confidence-destroying, as he experienced rejection from potential employers, having previously enjoyed great career success. It can be really tough, can't it, Liz?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's really important to keep going through those moments, even though rejection can hit you really hard. One of the ways that you can start to get back your professional confidence is to really focus on your strengths and skills, both before and during your career break. A lot of the skills that you have will be transferable and relevant to the work that you're seeking now. We'd recommend making a list of all your
0: strengths and skills. For example, for Derek, it was creativity, collaboration, project management, and implementation. Make a big list and then refine it down into your top three core strengths. It can be helpful to get the thoughts of others here or even do an online
1: strengths test to help you. And this, coupled with your experience, i.e. your years working in a particular sector or field, any specialities, qualifications, and your headline achievements, this all adds up to you and your unique personal brand. It's you at your best and what you're known for, and ultimately it's what you want others to be saying about you.
0: So why not take a moment now with a pen and paper to consider what value you bring to the marketplace? Think about when you have enjoyed your career most and what skills and strengths you were using then. This work is invaluable in knowing yourself and being able to articulate your value to future employers.
1: Thanks for joining us today. And we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast. And when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.
0: A big thanks again to JP Morgan for supporting us to create this podcast series. JP Morgan has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years and values the diversity, fresh perspective and wealth of experience that returning professionals can bring. Take a look at their successful re-entry program if you're thinking about returning to work.
1: And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free Women Returners Professional Network to hear about current returner opportunities and events, including our free monthly webinars for network members. And do join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group for valuable peer support.
0: We look forward to you joining us again for our next episode of the Career Returners podcast.